Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. He felt somehow to eat the food from the king's table was wrong. In all likelihood, it was non-kosher. And it would have violated his conscience. He was under the Old Testament covenant. He didn't want to drink the wine from the king's table. There was a reason for that, because that wine was offered to pagan gods. And that would have been seen as his alignment with the pagan deities that he had to study about. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives, so we can be our heads and feet. The first time the Bible reader meets the prophet Daniel, in the book of Daniel chapter 1, he is serving King Nebuchadnezzar during Israel's Babylon exile. We learn quickly that Daniel is a man of integrity and no compromise when he refuses to eat from the king's table because of the foreign foods that did not align with Jewish kosher guidelines. Pastor Ed teaches us today that Christians are called to live lives of integrity and nonconformity, no matter the social situation or cultural pressures. Now here's Pastor Ed with part one of today's message entitled, Life Without Compromises. have genuine biblical faith, a true living faith that the Bible talks about, you can be guaranteed that that faith will be tested and tried. It's the very nature of faith to be tested and tried by the present world that we live in. Chris Harper Mercer walked into the community college in Roseburg, Oregon. Only took 10 minutes, but he killed nine young people and wounded many others. Listen to what he wrote online. A couple of things. He said, one intersite called spiritual passions. He described himself as not religious, but spiritual. He didn't like organized religion and said... I'm looking for someone to share my beliefs. Now, he used similar language online when he was looking for a woman who was a pagan, a Wiccan, not religious, but spiritual. Mercer, when he went into the classroom, it was said that he asked the young people, if you're a Christian, stand up. If you're a Christian. And one by one, he shot those students. Now, if they said they weren't a Christian, he would shoot them in the leg or some other place. But if they were a believer, he shot them in the head and killed them. What is happening in our nation and around the world? I believe that we're seeing the rise of Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist. The hatred towards Christians in the Middle East. The hatred towards Christians even here in the States and around the world. It's a reflection 
of man's rebellion against God and anger with God. If they persecuted me, Jesus said, they're going to persecute you. As Christians, most of us will not experience someone holding a gun to our head and saying, you are a Christian. But we do experience tremendous pressure to conform to the culture that is anti-Christ and anti-God and going further and further and further away from God. Many of the cultural wars right now seem to center on sex. The standards that we had years ago that we took for granted are no longer the standards today that people take for granted and hold. They simply think it's okay to have sex outside of marriage or with anyone they please. Homosexuality. Lesbianism. It's okay. That's what they think. There's a backdrop that seems to be the backdrop of our nation. A belief in atheism. That there is no God. Institutions of learning and academia. Accept that as the norm. And so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you say you believe that God created the world, they look at you as though you're some idiotic person from ancient history who just isn't up with the times. There is a pressure in our culture, on our culture, and on people to simply conform. We could live a life without compromise. We can live a life without compromise. In Proverbs it says, Oh my son, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. We're to give our heart, our affections, our mind to God. We will encounter outward pressure to compromise. In Daniel 1.8 it reads this, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself. Now, I want you just to think for a moment. Daniel was not, even though he was a teenager, he wasn't in high school being offered high school cafeteria school food. He wasn't in some armed service eating in the mess hall. He was eating culinary prepared meals by the best chefs in Babylon. He was offered food that the king's family ate and that dignitaries ate. I mean, it was the best of the best. To live in Babylon was to live in the largest city in the world at that time. It was beautiful. Its architecture was outstanding. The learning and science was far ahead of other places. Uh, they had the beautiful hanging gardens, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was the place. Impressive pressure to leave Jerusalem behind. The faith in Yahweh God was so great. And to adapt and to adopt 
He was far from home, far from all that was familiar to him in a foreign environment that was so persuasive. But what happened is faith was going to govern his life and guide his life. And our hearts must be rooted in the Bible, in the Word of God, in the truth about God. He felt somehow to eat the food from the king's table was wrong. In all likelihood, it was non-kosher. And it would have violated his conscience. He was under the Old Testament covenant. He didn't want to drink the wine from the king's table. There was a reason for that, because that wine was offered to pagan gods. And that would have been seen as his alignment with the pagan deities that he had to study about. That was so prevalent in Babylon. He was there, and he made a decision where to draw the line. Individually, you have to make the decision for you and your household where you will draw the line. You have to be able to say, I'm not going to do this because I know it will be a temptation to me. I'm not going to go here because I know that won't be healthy for me spiritually. Think about what you feed your mind. All of the garbage that's on television. There's so much good on the internet, but there's so much filth as well. It pollutes the mind, the soul, the spirit. You have to make decisions when some want to enter a conversation at work, and that conversation is something that a Christian ought not be talking about. And it will pollute your soul. You have to draw the line and say, I'm not going to defile myself. There are decisions that you and I have to make as believers under the power of the Holy Spirit and say, no. In Romans 12, 2, it reads, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our mind has to be in the word of God, focused on the God of heaven, contemplating the things of God, so that our lives are transformed and not conformed, just as real as gravity is. If you throw a ball up in the air, it's going to fall. Drop something that goes down. Just as real as the law of gravity is the law of the pressure for a believer to conform to this world. See, we're only traveling through. We're only here for a moment. We're called to be pilgrims. And as believers, you will feel the constant pressure throughout the journey of your life to conform to this present world. It's attitude, it's ways, it's lifestyles. If you look at the churches in Revelation, every single one of those churches in Revelation had a particular trial that they had to overcome in their community that impacted their church. What's happening here in America is an increasing secularization. Professors don't want God or the talk of God in their classroom. The political field doesn't want to be politically wrong. They want to be politically correct, and it's politically correct to just ignore 
Christian debate and the voice of the church. There is pressure. If you have faith, your faith will be tested. If you believe, your beliefs will be tried. The very nature of faith, the very nature of commitment to Christ, brings you into conflict with a worldly system that is more and more anti-God and anti-Christ. What do we do in those circumstances where the outward pressure is so, so great? We can develop an inward strength to overcome compromise. We can develop an inward power. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. There was a resolve. There was a decision. Now all of us know that making a decision is easier than keeping the decision. Just think of uh, January 1st. 2015, New Year's Day. Some of you pledged to go to the gym more often. Some pledged to lose 20 or 30 pounds. Some pledged, all sorts of resolutions and decisions that we try to make. We, boy, it's hard. And even more difficult are spiritual decisions because we have an antagonist, we have an adversary who would love to defeat, to distract, and keep us from following through on those decisions. How did Daniel do it? Remember, he's in a far-off land. He's in a place where his educational system that he is learning in, and he's learning the sciences and the literature, and he's learning astrology, and he's learning as a backdrop. He didn't have evolution, but he had all of these false gods. He was a polytheistic culture, a belief in many gods. The educational journey was steeped in the teachings of idolatry. How did he do it? I believe first he lived in community. You see in the biblical text in chapter 1, verse 6, and then chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Aniah, Michelle, and Azariah. It says, then Daniel went home and told his friends. So, So he was with this band of brothers that helped him run the journey. Gentlemen, you need other Christians in your life to help you live the Christian life. You need other men that will hold you into account. You need other men that will pray with you. You need other men that will ask you the difficult questions. That's why Jesus sent them out two by two. That's why Solomon said, two is better than one, and three is a cord not easily broken. And so Daniel wisely prayed with these men, talked with these men, encouraged one another. We, we need that. Women, you need that. You need to ask God for godly women around you that will say, no, 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 we're not going to gossip now. We're going to pray. No, 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 we're not going to do that now. We're going to seek the Lord. We need the community of faith. There he is in the foreign land, pressured from the outside. They, they tried to rob him of his identity. Now, Daniel's name, it meant 
Elohim is my judge. That's God. The God of Israel is his judge. They changed his name to Belshazzar. It means may Bel protect his life. They wanted to take away his religious heritage. They wanted to take away his identity. They wanted to rob him of who God had called him and ordained him to be. But the pressure was on each of them. I think of Azariah. He means Yahweh is my helper. And they changed it to Abednego. It means the servant of Nebo. No, he wasn't going to serve the god Nebo. What the scripture text is saying is don't let the world rob you of your Christian identity. Don't let it so pressure you that you will not remember that this world is, you're just passing through it. You're just here for a moment. You're a son, a daughter of God, and you have a responsibility to walk in holiness and righteousness and seek God's face. What they did was they wanted to wow these young men. I mean, they rolled out the red carpet. Here they had food from the Culinary Institute of Babylon. Here they had jobs that were set up for life. I mean, to have their positions meant you would own land and property, you would be well known, you would have clouds. They were giving them the best education in the world and giving them places of prominence. You know what they were doing? Golden handcuffs studded with diamonds. Don't let Satan put golden handcuffs on you. Don't be bound to this world. Set your heart upon heaven. This life is a moment. This life is soon past. It's soon gone. It's soon over. And for us to live wisely in this world, we must be committed to follow Christ full-hearted, whole-hearted, committed, not just for the moment, not living just for the moment, but living for eternity. There was community that he lived in. He did something else. He remembered. He recalled. He embraced his commitments. In 6.10, Daniel prayed three times a day, just as he has always done, giving thanks to his God. Do you remember a baptism service? where you stood before a congregation and you were baptized in water. And it spoke of being buried with Christ, dying with him, and being raised. It spoke of dying to yourself, dying to your agenda, dying to your own will, If you're not willing to die for something, you can't really live for anything. And to be willing to die so that you might live and live for Christ. That's what baptism speaks of. Baptism speaks of living for God. We have to remind ourselves we made a commitment to say along with Paul the Apostle, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Throw aside those things that hinder so you could run the race. You've heard the saying, you can take the girl out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the girl. 
Oh, you can take the person out of the city, but you can't take the city out of the person. Well, in Daniel's case, you could take him out of Jerusalem, but you, but you couldn't take Jerusalem out of Daniel. Why? Because he was raised in Jerusalem? No, no. I remember talking to a friend of mine. His name was Gary. Gary was going through a difficult time at another church, another place. And Gary said to me, oh, I'm always going to serve the Lord. Don't worry about anything. And, and I thought, oh, boy, Gary, the human heart is so deceitful. You must guard your heart. See, Daniel developed holy habits. And those holy habits became means of grace to keep him on the right track to help him fulfill God's purposes for his life. You could develop unholy habits or you could develop holy habits. In Timothy 4, 7, Paul said, train yourself to be godly. The word was planted in his heart as a young man in Jerusalem. He had a godly atmosphere, parents and and people who trained him. Now that seed could have been choked by the cares and by the pleasures and the distractions of this world, but he guarded it. My son, give me your heart. That's God's plea. My daughter, give me your heart. We could develop affections for God or affections for the world. We could develop a taste for the king's table, the king of this world, or we can develop a taste for the presence of God. Developing those holy habits in our lives. Now, we we can't do it in our own strength. And, And Daniel couldn't, and his friends couldn't, It was this relationship with God. It was this discipline that he had over the years, three times every day he prayed. And it was busy, I'm sure. At times he had meetings in the afternoon, but he made sure he carved out some time to pray. He made sure at night he carved out some time to pray. He made sure he he carved out time to be with God as believers. We have a responsibility. Now, it's not all on our shoulders because we can't do it in our own strength. But neither is it all on God. So many people blame the devil. Stop blaming the devil. Take responsibility for your own lives. And I'm not meaning to be harsh. But I am talking the truth. God wants us to be responsible. I like the way Jerry Bridges said it. We need to learn that the Bible teaches both total responsibility and total dependence in all aspects of the Christian life. Daniel didn't live in isolation, but he did insulate his heart. We're not called to run and hide in some bunker. We are called to live in this present world. But when our heart is guarded by the Word of God, guarded by our commitments guarded by a passion for him the pressure from out is not as great as the pressure from within for greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world 
The book of Daniel has some of the most loved stories in the whole of the Bible. We all remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den, a wonderful story of God's deliverance. Each day here on Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching through the book of Daniel. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith. Your word restores.